Hello and welcome to Wise Up. You're listening to the podcast that aims to break down barriers in the music industry by pairing upcoming young music executives with industry vets. I want to be prepared so I seek the man upstairs for precaution or if I really want to change the way I'm walking. That's metaphorical. In this episode, we'll be talking to Tayo Adeleye and Remy Harris. Tayo is one of the co-founders of Young Future Co, an events and management company. Remy is the expert on funding in the music industry. She even wrote the book on it. I hope you guys are as excited about this one as I am. And I'll see you on the other side. Problem with the way that I step, I got away with finesse. And the lady say they love the way I got the game unlock and there's less harder working niggas than the days that I rest. Don't let that go over Remy Harris and there we've got Tayo. Uh Tayo, you kind of started out with Young Future Co, is that right? Yes, yes I did. Um yeah. And what kind of like was that your first first ever like role in the industry did you did you apply for jobs before then or like what kind of made you sit down and be like i want to start something it's it's interesting because we actually started young future before i realized i wanted to get into the industry full-time and it was more born out of a desire to kind of help up-and-coming talent um just you know kind of as a hobby now before we actually started doing the talent showcases that we do and all the things we're doing now. We actually started doing, we were a clothing line and we did events, um, oh, like nice. parties and stuff like that. So we were in uni, all of us were in uni. So, you know, just trying to have a good time. And I think quite quickly got to the point where um, we realized that that was not the sort of angle that we wanted to go down. And it was more about the live music. It was more about that sort of experience. And so that's when we started actually doing the talent showcases and actually you know kind of supporting talent properly yeah yeah that's that's really interesting actually so like do you still have like your clothing line up and running or was that did that kind of just pivot into into more of a events and management so clothing clothing has always been there we were thinking about um the fashion has element has always sort of been in the background mm. but at the moment it's just been you know we've been doing the basic sort of you know t-shirts with these bags and all those sorts of things um you know, we we've done photo shoots and sort of uh, not you know just fashion showcases in the past but decided to pop that while we focused on actually just building up the the, the music business side mm, okay and Remy, your introduction into the music industry, is it correct to say you started uh, AIM on the kind of funding side or? Yeah, so my backstory is I was a, I was a uni student. Um, I didn't really have any involvement in music or the music industry. And then I did a summer job in the US and I heard about somebody who had a job as a roller skating waitress. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, that sounds really fun. How could I, <laughs> how could I, you know, I haven't got a job lined up. How could I get into that? That sounds, you know, start off gradually. Um, and I found a job in a music venue, actually, which had a restaurant attached. So that's the waitress bit. Mm. Um, and I got a little little taste of the music industry through that. Um, they had a lot of live showcases and performances and TV recordings and things happening in the venue. Um, and then... I went to AIM when AIM first started and got a job in the office. So that was 
really fun because it's starting, you know, being part of a startup, being part of the original team, doing everything from scratch, you know, getting a lot of responsibility from day one. Yeah, so I had nothing to do with funding at the beginning. It was just literally anything and everything involved in setting up a business and involved in growing the membership and developing the the services that were being offered and all of that kind of all of that kind of thing so yeah it was a great opportunity to kind of get in there in the early early days and uh do you still roller skate no i've i've never perfected that after they said there was no openings available i you know just moved on to (laughs) more of a managerial uh thing yeah but no yeah that sounds cool so like i imagine it must have been quite hectic as well like right at the beginning probably only a few people on the team everyone's doing a hundred different jobs like how how did you kind of specialize you you know what i i was always a kind of general all-round person um even Mm. academically at school i kind of liked a lot of different things i would say that has stood me in really good stead i like to tell people i had about 20 jobs before i actually got a job in the music industry because i did everything worked behind a bar uh worked in a clothing store worked in a news agent worked like you know any anything just did any job and um got a lot of experience working in offices temping and things like that you know i used to work i used to get the bus from my mum's house up to enfield to go and work in the dairy mm. up there literally done any job and that really stood me in good stead because i could talk to people i could do all the office stuff I understood about like working with people of different ages and that was what really helped me kind of adapt to that environment and having worked in different places seeing how they do things really helped when I went into somewhere where there was nothing Mm. and so I had to work out okay how do you do an invoice because we need to do some invoicing okay the boss says me to organize a meeting how do you do that I was like literally buying books and you know reading up okay how do you how do you be an assistant like what do you have to what do you have to do um and learning from there and i just think that has really helped me as i've gone through just to start with a blank piece of paper and work things out for myself mm. yeah i actually really resonate with that particularly on the experience side and and sort of working in other settings which actually you can bring to what you're doing um just because when i graduated from uni the first job I got, the first two jobs actually, which had nothing to do with music. You know, I worked in a bank for a bit and then I went to civil service and immediately it's just kind of like you're put into a completely different environment and then you're having to pick up all of these things. And with my role in the civil service, it was very much a startup. Like it started because of Brexit. So, um, but you know, it, just just being able to take all of those transferable skills and, and bring it to, to, you know, building up an organization, it's amazing. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, do you find um, the skills that you've picked up at the civil service, especially kind of in that like more startup? I mean, startups makes it sound more like a tech tech company. But yeah, do you find those skills translate into like when you were setting up Young Future? I think it was the opposite way around. Because for me, even when I from sort of when I was young, even as young as year nine, I was kind of if it wasn't setting up clubs at school, it was being part of committees, it was mm. all these various things. And so when I went into Young Future, I guess a lot of the early early days was just kind of trial and error, 
doing stuff out of intuition without actually any knowledge behind what we were doing. It was just kind of dealing with people, you know, um, kind of working on how we saw that things should be done. And so when I actually then kind of started to get the knowledge, then started the um, civil service job, I actually brought those skills to the role, which was really, really helpful. Mm, okay, yeah, the reverse then. Uh, yeah, that's like, that's quite inspiring to hear. Is it challenging working like a full-time job? And I mean, it, it must be, right? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of in, in the same boat, but having your like various projects going on, because you're involved in a few different ventures. Like you've got this radio show you're involved in, right? The transition. So like, how do you kind of manage your time around and your energy as well? Like that's a, this is a very waffly question, but I think you get where I'm, I'm going. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. I think it, there's, there's a lot of different things that feed into it. So the first thing is I remember when I was about 16, 17, I became a victim of the, you know, multi-level marketing, the affiliate marketing schemes. Mm. I became a victim of that. But what, what one thing it did teach me, and one thing they used to say all the time is you have 24 hours in a day. And so you need to make sure that you're using them properly. You know, you can, you don't have to, I don't know, waste time, you know, all of those sorts of messages that they were sending around. And that sort of sparked the entrepreneurial side of me. Going into uni, I'm, I've always been the type of person who I like to get involved in things. I like to, I'm an experiencer. I love to experience things. Mm. So I always found myself doing a lot like a lot and to be fair sometimes to not a detriment but you know to my discomfort you know I would find myself getting involved with so much and so kind of going through that whole um, experience and thankfully doing well at uni I came out on the other side and started to actually think about things from a practical point of view how do I actually structure my time to make these things work you know I've been doing it for so long I've been doing a lot for so long like it's kind of natural to me but now it's really just getting the balance and getting the right structures in place. So actually I'm freeing up more of my time. So that's, that's actually been more of the, where my energy is focused. And like Remy, have you found kind of a similar way of balancing things? I mean, you're, you're still involved in quite a few different initiatives, right? You've got your book, you've got your consulting business. Do you still work with AIM as well? Um, no, not, no, not professionally. So I left AIM in 2000. 10 as the last time I worked there mm. and then I went to work for UK music for a couple of years and then since then I've been freelance since 2012 yeah so how do I balance it I I um struggle with it it's really difficult for me I like to get involved in lots of things like Ty said I like uh, you know I'm just always getting involved in things and so I've had to try and like hold myself back and focus on fewer things at a time but I do really struggle with that I have to say but I can see how having too many different things on the go kind of does make some of the things I really want to get done suffer. So I've had to face that harsh reality um, and try and, you know, try and focus and prioritise on developing different projects individually, mm. and keeping other ones on the back burner and then bringing other ones to the forefront. And also recognising recognizing that you need to, or I certainly need to know that there are times when I'm really creative and I can get, the work of five people done and there are yeah. other times where I'm on a go slow and I'm just like wading through treacle and it's really hard and I have to force myself to sit down and you know do the work so I think that's that's my reality I have to you know sometimes I can just 
knock out an unbelievable amount of work, <laughs> like write a book in, you know, three months. And other times it's really hard. And I have to say, okay, this is not my season. I just have to keep in the, stay in the game and wait for that, that energy to kind of come back where I can create something new again. Yeah. How, how have you just to sort of, that's cause I, I find that that's an interesting uh, sort of reality, especially when it comes with to the, the harder periods or the, the periods where things are going a lot slower, how over time have you been able to, I guess, give yourself a bit of a, a bit of a break? Cause I can imagine that early on, it might've been like, I need to get these things done. I don't know what's going on. So mm. how, how have you been able to kind of manage that? Um, I think, I think when it gets difficult, I have to just scale back and prioritize the things that I can, that, that must get done. The things that are on the critical path for the project that I'm doing, the things that, I'm needed for and try and try and just p put a pause on other things um I think as well with like have I've got two children so having them has meant that you know there have been times where I've been away for work for a week and then when I come back I have to switch off and I have to just concentrate on home for a bit you know so just having to switch in and out of those different things just had to adapt to that but I think also when you're having a time where you, you know, your creativity is kind of dulled down a little bit or it's blocked in some way. It's, it's piling all of the things around you that will help you and doing them all at once, you know, just to bring that back. So I think it's like, I'm doing a little wave sign now for people listening on audio, but it's like mm. a cycle and nobody can be going like up all the time. People need that, that balance in their life. So it's going, Oh, it's a time when I need to, you know, maybe I need to kind of hibernate a bit now. Maybe I need to be home a bit more. Maybe I need to be being a bit more careful about exercising or what I'm eating or getting an early night or, you know, seeing those friends that are my business buddies that kind of encourage me and lift me up. Maybe I need to just check in with them and make some time to connect with them. Whereas at other times I can literally just lock myself away and work 12 hours a day. So I need to kind of try and keep things in balance, you know, throughout the year. Um, and I don't know if you've, well, obviously you, um, we've all been through lockdowns and things like that. So a lot of people were saying they found the summer one a lot easier than the winter one. Mm. Um, and I, I think recognising that we're living beings, so those things will have an impact on our energy levels and what we can actually achieve you know i don't know if you found the feeling of like when you go back to school in september and you've got like a new a new bag and a new pencil case or whatever and you feel like yeah bring it on because it's that new, like start of term feeling so i feel like you could ride the wave of those feelings and um you know the january or the september and kind of really get a lot done and at other times you're just like you know killing time until the start of the summer holidays and you just have to you just have to say you know what i'm human <laughs> i'm just kicking back a little bit now yeah that's that's a big thing i think like having that balance in your life and recognizing when i mean i feel like it, it's a trait amongst creative people uh, like i'm like that I'll, I'll have periods where i can just like hyper focus on something and then waves where i'm like i don't know what i'm doing i'm <laughs> just gonna chill today or whatever and like being able to like balance that with like your other commitments in life can be like it's probably one of the most important things in terms of having like a healthy balance between what you've got 
as like a responsibility like with your kids Remy with schools stuff that you want to be involved when like with projects and I think I think still like also over time Mm. you're still able to get stuff done when you when you zoom out yeah like 10 years or something or five years you're still able to reach your goals in that time but it's not it's just not consistent like every day you sit at the desk at nine o'clock and you feel inspired or whatever it just doesn't work like that sometimes the inspiration is going to come like I remember when I was writing my book I woke up one day it's like five o'clock in the morning and I just was like I know what I'm going to write and I just sat and wrote a whole chapter it just it just came to me I heard songwriters kind of talk about that as well where you're trying and you're trying and you're trying and trying and one day it just comes when you're not expecting it, you're like, oh my God, where's the pen? <laughs> where's the, yeah. you know, where's the dictaphone? Where's the, where's the phone so I can record this? It just sort of seems to come out of nowhere, but it's actually that downtime that all that, all that stuff is connecting in your brain so that that can come out so that, you know, the ideas can come. It's, it's hard to accept it sometimes. It's annoying because you just like, I just want to, I just want to get it done today. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you can't, you know. That's so, yeah, that is so true. Funny enough, that happened to me a couple of weeks ago because I've, I've kind of said to myself that I want to start writing, songwriting. I want to start working on music. Um, I've been saying it for a while. And I remember last year I did a whole, like the whole month of January, I did like a songwriting challenge. So every day I wrote a song or I tried to write at least a verse and, you know, a hook. And I just wasn't liking what I was writing. And then literally took some time off work. I think I took like two or three days off work, literally like three weeks ago. And I remember I was just thinking about some stuff that had happened maybe like 10 years ago. And all of a sudden, a song came to me just then and there. It's never happened before. And I was just writing and writing and writing. And I looked up and I was like, wow, I like this. Okay. So yeah, this is very interesting. And I, I guess it, when, when we learn how to manage our own expectations, then it makes things a lot easier. Because I'm the type of person to say, let's, let's do a million things today. And that's it. But um, yeah, that's so true. I think that kind of summarizes it really well. Like it's that downtime that enables you to be able to create something that you're going to like and not just kind of create for the sake of it. But that's cool. Like I uh, I didn't know you made music as well, man. Yeah, um, like I've, I've been playing. I've been, I'm the type of person to just get into everything. So I learned a little bit of like ukulele, a little bit of saxophone, a little bit of keys, but it's the guitar that I kind of stuck with. Mm. And I've, I kind of said that I wanted to learn how to produce um, because the, the artist that I manage, um, when I speak to him about the mu- like his music, I want to be able to communicate with him in his language. So that's like the main, I mean, yeah, that's the main motivation. But yeah, um, I've been saying for a few years in the back of my mind that I'm going to start making my own music on the side. Remy, did you ever play an instrument or have an interest in like, yeah, making music? Badly, yeah, I did. Well, basically, my my music story is that I did I did piano and clarinet when I was a kid, and then um, my brother was really musically talented, mm. and he is a, he's become a professional musician. His name is Roxy Harris, and he um, is a drummer and vocalist, producer, remixer been on western musicals he's done so many different music things over the years um and he um did the commercial music degree at westminster Mm. he was sort of one of the fairly early students like not that long after the course actually started um and 
so you know when you've got that sibling rivalry going on and yeah, yeah, they're good yeah. at music so you're like oh, okay let me find something else so i got into other things i got into theater um i was in like theater groups and stuff for about six or seven years um and yeah just got into different things just to not not compete with the best <laughs> basically so i don't really have any musical talent now i can't really play anything I'm just about singing tune you know got rhythm but that's that's it yeah. really for me yeah sadly yeah i mean <laughs> i kind of i relate to that my sister she's she's not a professional musician but like i'm i was the one who uh wanted to go that route in the early days but sh her voice is just infinitely better than mine like she can sing yeah amazingly well and whenever i heard her sing i was like i'm not going to be a singer there's no way but, but you wonder what it must be like for this um you know kind of musical like musical family they all seem yeah. to inspire each other like you know the um the canon masons and even like you know the 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 Knowles family Beyonce and mm. sister, you know they seem to that does seem to kind of run in lots of families but yeah in ours I just left it to <laughs> just left it to him <laughs> I guess um oh yeah that reminds me I um I bought your book recently Remy oh thank um, you <laughs> easy money yes and yeah I found it really like I've I've only read one chapter so far it's quite mm. like an easy one to pick up when you Good. um when you want and I was reading about small green shoots and like it's quite inspiring to hear how that started but I wonder like how how kind of important is it for people thinking about setting up their own businesses to like be well informed about funding and, and grants and like how can they yeah how can they kind of get involved um on that side yeah sure I mean there's a book the book is covering all types of music funding. Oh, basically, I was trying to provide a reference book for managers, artists, labels, and, and people working with them. Mm. And so it's covering like crowdfunding, investment, loans, grants, etc., etc., sponsorship. And yeah, I think it's quite, I think it's quite important to understand like how to, how to use funding or money in different ways, particularly for artists at different stages of their careers I think if you're very lucky you may not need to apply for grants you know you could have you could have a very rapid success but as you see in that chapter where it has the case study with small green shoots even you know some really chart-topping you know successful globally successful people have benefited from either being part of a project that's got grant funding or having grant funding in the early stages when they're developing and you know you you probably wouldn't necessarily know that but there are some really you know big artists that have had access to that support so i think if you can use it really cleverly and have somebody on your team that's got the skill to help you access that whether that's yourself or somebody you're working with it's really worth while it just sort of helps propel things along um mm. with a little bit more ease of having that injection of money at different times yeah, no, that's that's very interesting. Um, I remember when you you did your book your book launch because I I did attend that, um, and I remember at the time thinking, well, this is this is amazing because you know prior to this, obviously people know about your arts council, but I I remember it's kind of spending the year, well probably half of the year before trying to think about there has to be other forms of funding for artists like how do people 
access these things and so you know the fact that you've actually decided let's let's kind of condense this and and give it to people in a digestible manner be really really good to really really good to see and um on behalf of the community thank you because a lot a lot of people just don't know where to start and i think that's the hardest part yeah thank you that's that, that's really good thank you for saying that and i it was definitely my intention to sort of make it easier for people to find their way around it because i was on the other side of that working with labels and artists and finding that they were really lost and frustrated and you know although as you say arts council and some was there the just it just was like another world from the commercial world of trying to release music and the connections have become a lot clearer and a lot stronger since the time that i was researching the book which is great just become a bit a lot more accessible to people i think more people know about it now know about prs foundation help musicians uk and those other those other grant funders yeah it's so important and it's really really difficult for artists in countries where they don't have that um i mm. actually did a talk recently for impala which is the european organization for independent music and there was somebody in the session who's based in nigeria and they you know a lot of what i was talking about to do with funding they're like mm, we don't have that we've got that no that's not applicable here that service doesn't you know doesn't um hasn't launched yet in in west africa and things like that so what the book also tries to talk about is the principles of of why do people why would people give you money what kind of deals are there to be done you know just how how do those transactions work how does the relationship with people who want to fund things work and what are they what are they looking for which i think is really important as well because not everybody's obviously in england or in uk able to Mm. access those things Mm. yeah no that's that's amazing because what what i've found so far is that when when i hear a lot of people talking about their journeys and you know getting to where they are they give a story like an overview of okay well i started here i worked really hard i met some people and then i made it here but actually you know breaking it down to the principles the practical elements i think that's what's going to be so key for a lot of people and i think that's that's the most helpful other than just motivation to know these things are there mm. i can actually reach these mm. things and yeah you know, from a practical sense i think that's that's great did you see on social media media last week i think the artist ray was posting about being in a label deal and not having a music release i don't know if you guys saw i saw the headlines yeah so she was she was saying um that she'd been in her deal a long time and you know releasing an ep releasing singles features and things like that but has not um had her album come out yet Mm. and she was very frustrated as an artist that she's kind of on the bench as it were um trying to you know trying to get the investment into her music even though she's kind of locked down now so she she was saying a very frustrating struggle and in i think in the opening chapter of the book i talk about um and in the end as well in the conclusion i talk about that model of funding artists which is to get an advance to sign a deal you know to be exclusive to a major company Mm. and potentially getting a lot of investment into your brand and into your business which is great and a lot of support from their know-how and expertise but there's also quite a lot you're giving up there as well in that transaction and that you know people don't always appreciate that and you have to be aware of that with every type of funding so if you like their 
the label is a business that's investing into your business, but then they're taking quite a lot of control of your ability to trade and you know and earn but through that through that contract so that's that has to be really really carefully taken into account because i think it's an end goal for a lot of people is you know once i've signed a deal all my troubles will be over and i'll be you know i'll be comfortable and i'll be buying my mum a house or whatever but sometimes there's 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 other ways there's other deals to be done and other ways to get things to a point where you have more cards on the table kind of thing more more cards to play so i think i think having a look at funding in that in that bigger sense i think most people know about you go to a label they give you some money to make your record but but the other all the other stuff is is more hidden and and get a little bit harder to kind of work out where you go that's a really important point i think like artists often feel okay i've been approached by a major they're offering me like a million pound advance to write two albums and be with them for like the next four or five years and they'll know that the advance is recoupable and they're going to be paying that money back but when you're handed like a large sum of money in one go it's very easy to be like oh i've made it i've my work is done whereas like most artists that are signed to majors won't have a breakthrough immediately like it's it takes still takes three four years even with the backing of like a powerful marketing machine so to speak Mm. well have you seen i mean i guess we're talking entrepreneurial things and business ownership and stuff so um people will probably know dragon's den it's one of my favorite examples because it's so mainstream Mm. and you see the bargaining that goes on there how much of your company are you going to sell and are you going to keep 51 percent or you know, are you going to give over more than 50% basically control to your investors? And there's a woman who I met who, um, who started a really successful fashion company and had uh, investment from, uh, I think it was a venture capital company invested into her, into her fashion brand. And what I realised from talking to her was that basically she now worked for them. So you think, oh, I'm going to get this investment into my business and be the CEO of the business and run the business and you know do well but what you find is that now they tell you what reports you need to do they tell Mm. you what needs to be done they can potentially have quite a lot of control over the direction of the company and suddenly you're an employee and actually they can remove you they can't take away your shares but you know they could they can remove you so you have to work then to earn back earn back your equity within the company and make the companies a success and so you're you're quite hemmed in there and it's it's really important to understand what you're what you're giving up when you go into those big deals or when you when you take money from somebody what what are they asking you to give up in return which is kind of why the grant funding thing is so attractive because it's it's a lot more of a transparent transaction and the the goals of the grant fund are normally quite aligned with the goals of the artist there's not too much kind of um sacrifice on the artist part they're generally able to with a few tweaks do the work that they want to do and everybody you know everybody's happy out of that so it tends to be a fairly harmonious relationship in general i mean i know there are some issues that artists have with with funders but generally speaking they're kind of aligned whereas with other types of deal it can it can almost be bring you know bring its own its own barriers and its own issues with it i don't know what you think 
Tayo, because I, I don't know if you if you if you've taken any funding into your company or if you've self-funded it yourself. Um, I mean, so far in terms of Young Future, it's it's all been self-funded so far. Um, in terms of the artists that I work with, we've gotten some funding, some some arts council funding as well, which which has been good. But one one thing I I, I always do say is that on a granular level. I think it's a mindset thing that a lot of artists just haven't been able to see is that no one's going to give anything away for free. There's no such thing as mm. free. And so it's really about understanding what the what is the motivation behind whoever that person is. And in conversations I've had with people who have said they wanted to invest in Young Future, it you know, it, it's been about trying to understand what they see the company to be. So what what vision they have for the company, because you're so right in saying that they basically have a say in how things are done. And so, yeah, in, in having those conversations, it's, it's kind of opened my eyes to a lot of things. And yeah, just made that whole process of looking around for funding, um, I guess, a lot more realistic. Because I think, you know, a lot, a lot of people just don't have, again, it's just not having the knowledge of how these things work. And so you can't really critically evaluate what decision is best for me where I am at this point in time. Because actually, you know, one type of funding might be good for you now that, then, you know, you might want to go with something else that's uh, in the future, if that makes sense. And so, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been an interesting one so far. It's been an interesting one. And I guess one that I'm still, still kind of learning about. Mm, and I think working with, with independent labels as well, seeing how, you know, seeing how they've done things, I think there's a few... I mean, there's a few, there's a lot that have ultimately decided to sell their business. That was their, you know, their exit strategy. Maybe they'd grown it as big as they could and they sold their company to a major or they did a, a partnership or something like that. There's some people who've done that and then, you know, come out of it again, like Mute Records sold mm. to EMI and then they, and then they uh, are now independent label again. And there's other people who would never, ever, want to sell their business they may get into partnerships like on specific things but they just they just don't want to do that because for them it's not just about kind of making the company as big as it can be it's about having a certain ethos and you know being able to do things in maybe a more a more organic way like because i think there's i think there are labels out there that could be 10 times bigger if they wanted to take on private investment but they don't want to they don't want the constraints of that when times are down or record doesn't sell to have mm. to to have to sort of cut that artist out or you know make decisions purely based on money so you know that's a really important thing to think about because I think there's a there's, there's different paths you could go on right you could go on a path that says you know what I'm what I want to accumulate the most value possible and sell at the top <laughs> and that's what I want to do and then I'm going to move on I'm going to be a serial entrepreneur or whatever I'm going to go on to the next thing and so if you're doing that you'd make one set of decisions but if you're doing something that says I still want to have this business in 30 years time even if it doesn't make me as much money that's a different set of decisions it's a different kind of path yeah that, that just speaks to the whole thing about the vision right and you know when when you have that down then it kind of helps you to make the decisions you make. I remember sort of when I, when I started, uh, when, when we started, it, it was, I, I guess things have changed in terms of what we see and how 
we plan things to 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 move forward and actually that process of understanding how we wanted to serve the community um i think that lended itself to, to actually start making decisions on how we're going to be getting funding because yeah they you know as as you say like there's already it could have been so easy for us to get investment from various places there, there are people who are mm. looking but because of the fact that we had made decisions on how you know how we wanted to move forward what we wanted to do that allowed us to actually you know pass up a good opportunity for for what we see is a better future yeah yeah definitely like kind of retaining that integrity to the business and like your mission and the values you want to kind of hold like there's nothing wrong i don't think there's anything wrong with like going from business to business if, if that's kind of what you're in for but especially in music people are so passionate about the music itself and the art and it's inspiring to hear that you know there are labels out there that have been potentially approached by investors and even your company um Ty. but you decided to kind of stick it out and go your own way and make your own make your own mark on the industry so to speak yeah yeah and, and i guess it, it i guess it depends how you, you're trying to do it because i mean with me you know and with the rest of my team to be fair none of us really had a musical background or you know per se none of us were, were we weren't really sort of brought up in the scene you know we didn't have the connections like that in fact i wasn't even in, in this country 10 years ago i grew I spent most of my life in, in California and you know so I, I guess when it came to trying to start making the mark and starting to build an, a, a brand identity within the industry you always have to start looking at things from a completely different perspective and I think that's that's one thing that's definitely been helpful to, to some extent in, in yeah I feel like some of the pressures that I see some of my colleagues or some of my peers have I haven't I haven't had them because I don't think about things 100% the same way or similar ways to, to the people around me. Cool. We've got a little bit longer left um, and I thought it'd be good to hear kind of your, some of the best advice like both of you were given uh, in your careers at any point, maybe advice you have for each other given what you've heard now. Um, yeah, I mean, take it away. I mean, I don't know if I could give Remy any advice. But... <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. I can't give him advice. He's doing amazing me. <laughs> I think for me, there was a period where I was really, really frustrated because I didn't see the growth that I wanted to see essentially at the time. And essentially we started, I went to, to university in Northern England and things were going really well. So, you know, we, we had a brand identity. People kind of knew who we were in, in the city where I was. Then we came down to London and pretty much had to start from scratch but I mean obviously we, we I didn't really take into account all the lessons that we'd learned while we were up north and someone said to me one day you know I know I know you're, you're looking around at all your friends and all your peers and everyone's kind of blossoming quickly and everyone's you know gaining sort of notoriety quite quickly but when it comes to building a big building the foundation always takes longer and so I had to kind of take a step back and realize that actually yeah, that's that's true. And actually, some of some of the people who I started with, and they did really well to begin with. Some of them, they they don't do what they do anymore. Um, mm. And so it was just kind of knowing, okay, well, our vision is a lot bigger than 
the next five years. So we're not necessarily going to see the uh, social media growth that we want to see, but actually, you know, we, we can build something sustainable and it can be, you know, it can be something that, that, that really, it does good stuff, you know, I'm, I'm coming forward. So I think that's one thing that's definitely helped push me forward. Yeah, good to hear. And how about you, Remy? Yeah, I have, I have loads, of, loads of advice. I love giving people advice. That's my favorite thing. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll take it all. Now's your, now's your moment. Yeah, I mean, one, one, you know, one, I guess one bit of advice is that you can do, you can do a lot with the community around you. That, that has really kind of come through for me this year with people that I've been working with, you know, and so it's not only just about having, having uh, money and, uh, funding and things like that and thinking commercially all the time but it's also about having a community having a mission having the values we said I'm just thinking in my mind about when I was a, a child I was involved in things like my family was involved in putting on like an international book book fair and it was organized by the community they didn't have funding they had people coming from all over the world to come and perform at this festival be they poets from jamaica or you know authors from kenya and they had people staying in people's house just like ordinary ordinary families would take one of these artists into their house to stay because mm. they they didn't have budget for hotels and things like that it was just all done kind of very very professionally but very affordably and that you know, that event had a really massive impact on all of those artists and all of those performers. So I think it's the idea that there's a, where there's a will, there's a way you can, you know, you can do things, have an impact, make things happen with the support of your community around you. And don't forget about that. Don't, you know, don't forget to call on people when you're trying to do big things. Mm, I like that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that advice, both of you. Um, and thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Thank on. you. Thank you.